This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Hey, hey, it's G-Mac and Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are 4-0, just as predicted. Not that it was really a stretch, Doug, for us to go out on a limb and say the Bombers would be 4-0 and and the Argos would be 0-4 after Friday night's action at IG Field. The Blue Bombers, right out of the gates, Lucky Whitehead says, uh, yeah, we're going to send a message on the opening kickoff. Takes it back all the way for a touchdown, and the Bombers really never look back. Drives it down to Whitehead, and that'll please the fans. Five-yard line to the 10. Lucky Whitehead to the 15, the 20. He's to the 25, the 30, the 35, the 40, the 45. Center field, the Argo 40, the 30. Cuts it back at the 20, the 15, the 10. Touchdown! Lucky Whitehead on the game opening kickoff. There are no penalty flags. And what a start for the Blue Bombers. Yeah, I think the first time the offensive group of the football team touched the ball was when they had the punt return from Charles Nelson and the ball was on the four-yard line. So uh, it's nice to be up 7 nothing and have your first possession, first and goal on the four-yard line, which they promptly punched in, 14 nothing, boom, right there you go. First half ends at a score of 37-6. to That has to be one of the best halves of football I've seen. I mean, granted, my long-term memory is not what it used to be, Greg Mackling, but I cannot remember a more dominant display by a football team, offense, defense, special teams, all three phases, purely dominant in a single half of football. I mean, you're on pace for seven. You're on pace for seventy-four to twelve. If that, if those first two quarters repeat themselves in the second half of this game, so that that was outstanding. As Dave Ritchie would say at four and zero, you're drinking the good water, right? You're at the top of the mountain. Nobody else has any chance to soil that water, pour anything in it that's above you. You're at the top. So, uh, you know, a little backwash comes out, a little whatever, you know, that's, you get it pristine. You get it before anyone else touches it undefeated. That was his, always his saying when we had a, a, a spectacular record or we were the best in the league or we were at the top of the heap. He said, yeah, we're drinking the good water now, boys. Well, and uh, that's a great visual. And so if I'm looking at that mountain, is there anybody else really nipping at the heels of the Blue Bombers in terms of trying to get in on some of that good water? Or are the Bombers the class of the CFL right now? Just, I mean, put the records aside. Yes, they're the only undefeated team. But is there anybody else who is in the same class as the Blue Bombers right now? I mean, I think there's going to be interesting games when they play Hamilton. I think there's going to be interesting games when they play Calgary. Um, but... You know, as of right now, I mean, this is uh, this is a scenario. It's it's good to be undefeated and and to be regarded as a premier football team in the CFL. It's all about now wh- whether you can maintain uh, and what kind of momentum and what kind of uh, ranking will you have at the end of the year, right? As as we found out, uh, it's uh, it's fantastic to start well, to start hot, but it's all about who's playing great football at the end of the year as well, right? So there's a lot of uh, a lot of games left to play, a lot of uh, you know 
injuries to be avoided, hopefully, a lot of adversity to, to come over. Every team goes through a spell or a funk for the most part, unless it's unless it's Calgary. And it uh, looks like they've already had their dip and they've lost a couple games now and they got a backup quarterback. So I think there are teams. I don't think necessarily, I don't think the Blue Bombers are going to run the table. Um, I think there are teams that can challenge them, especially uh, you know on the road. You, you catch them on the wrong day or whatever. But right now it looks like they're head and shoulders above everybody else. 14-2 and two, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were in 1960. And the reason I bring that up, that's the last time the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were 5-0. and zero. And Doug, that's so far back. Not only was their coach Bud Grant, they used to play a three-game playoff series back in those days. And the Bombers did not make it to the Grey Cup. They lost their uh, Western playoff series to Edmonton. Uh, I'm sure uh, nobody listening remembers that. Although uh, we have been surprised before. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, next see action at home. Friday night against Ottawa. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but I want to look back on Friday one more time and ask you this. Who came more as advertised? Were the Argos that bad or the Bombers that good? I think both. I think the Toronto Argonauts were as bad as we thought and expect them to be, and I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers proved their mettle even more um, by being that much more dominant, right? We talked we talked uh, to, to no lengths uh, in the pregame show about how, you know, this is a dangerous game for Winnipeg because everyone expects you to win. Everyone expects you to blow this team out. And, uh, you know, the Toronto Argonauts have nothing to lose. You know, they, they go out, they have no pressure on them. Everyone expects them to lose that game. They get to take a shot at writing their season by by taking down the undefeated team. And they did manage to snap that defensive um, uh, defensive record that the Bombers were, were pining for or inadvertently stumbling upon of... of uh, uh, you know, limiting major scores for, for three games in a row. They did snap that streak, but I think Toronto, you know, we thought looked terrible coming into this game. And uh, they sh- certainly had moments where they were, and they lived up to being terrible. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you know, they were the only undefeated team in the CFL, and they showed why for large parts of this game until it got out, out of hand. I mean, this game was essentially over, you know, halfway through the second quarter, right? 37 to 6 at halftime. I mean, it's almost that's almost a detriment to your football team. That is so hard to play going forward when you're up by that much and you still have half a game to play. You're just like, oh, how do we approach this now kind of thing? So it's, uh, uh, as I said, the best analogy you can give in that sense is if you won the Lotto Max today mm-hmm. and then you went to work tomorrow, you know, it could change your your approach or your attention to details or or so on and so forth, right? And that's what it's like. You're up by 31. <laughs> the game's essentially over at halftime, and you got to go out and play another half. It's very it's a true test for for an athlete. You know how how you're going to go about your business and and because you know you're just having a great time now, right? There are, are there are reasons why some businesses will walk you out when you give your two weeks notice, right? Because they know they're not going to get the best of you necessarily uh, once you've handed in your resignation. So I like the correlation. I wasn't sure exactly where you're going with that, but you know what? I do that to you all the time. Turnabout is fair play. So good on you for that one, Doug Brown. How do you, I mean, in football, you're going to play at a time. You get focused for that four, five, six, seven, eight second play. In tennis, it's all about you. You're in your head. How do you lock the voices out? How do you keep them at bay when you are on the verge of winning a game, winning a set, winning a match? How do you keep focused? I mean, 
Well, I think the big challenge, you know, when you're up 37 to six at halftime is your, your intensity, your urgency, um, you have to manufacture it. It's not there anymore. It's gone, right? It's out the window. Uh, halftime adjustments. I mean, you're pretty much at halftime. You go in, you usually meet with the positional uh, groups, you know, talk about some stuff. Then you meet with your your coordinator, goes over what you're going to do different in the second half. But w- when you've only allowed six points, you scored 37, you're pretty much like, okay, everything's working. Just keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Everybody's happy. Um, you know, you're having a good time in that locker room. It's uh, it's happy town on laughing gas. And it's, uh, it's just, you, you have to go up against now for the final two quarters against a football team that has the complete opposite of that experience in their locker room, right? Uh, they're being called out guys, employments are, are, are being questioned. Their, their, their pride as an individual and athlete is being, is being questioned. Coaches are yelling, things are getting knocked over. Um, it's sullen it's the, the anger level gets ratcheted up, right? And uh, y- your head coach is nothing positive uh, to be said. There's a lot of screaming, yelling, finger pointing, things like that go, that go on. And that's, that becomes a very angry and focused team. So for me, it's no big surprise that the Bombers lost the second half of that game, 15-11. And, and Toronto you know, took more shots and therefore had more total offensive yards and more passing yards in that game. It's because they had to. Sure. They were playing desperate football. And uh, they're playing against a team that had routed them in the first half. And you can't help but bad habits can surface when you're that far ahead. You can try a new passers move. You can have some, you can backdoor move or something like that, or, or a blocking scheme. You can try something else out new. Um, your, your instinct of self-preservation might kick in a little more. You're like, okay, I just got to make it to the next game kind of thing now. So there's all these kind of doubts and, um, uh, issues that can creep in your mind when you're that far ahead and you've essentially routed your opponent, you've embarrassed them. It's really hard to manufacture urgency and intensity um, just when the game has not really called for it since the the opening couple minutes. So on the flip side, the Blue Bombers looking to go 5-0. and oh, How do you defend against being overconfident to thinking that you've got this f- figured out? I mean, I know you swing a golf club from time to time. How do you go? You know that the worst thing in the world on the golf course is to say, ah, oh, this isn't that hard. I think I got this game figured out. You know what happens immediately following that sort of way line of thinking. How the Winnipeg Blue Bombers guard against this idea that we're the best team in the CFL. Nobody can hold a candle to us. We're moving to five and zero, and who knows where this winning streak will end? Well, I think first and foremost, they're a veteran team. I think they're one of the more tenured. Uh, uh, teams in the CFL. I think that's uh, well documented. They've got uh, more CFL games on their roster. They're like number two or three, I think, overall in the league in terms of average age, in terms of uh, player games. Uh, this this nucleus has been together for a while. Uh, they've added some more veteran pieces. So they, they've been around. They understand. Uh, I think they're starting to recognize how special and or fortunate the situation they can be in right now. They seem to be guided and have a coaching staff that really harps and hammers in on them you know, how important it is to just flush win, loss, or draw the previous week. And you have to approach it with a clean slate every time. Um, and there haven't. We haven't seen them be uh, too busy spending their time patting themselves on the back. Uh, they've been very focused. I think they're feeding off of uh, this momentum they have right now. And sometimes you get on a team 
where, yeah, you know, winning is something you maybe start to take for granted a little bit, but it's also contagious and you just start believing more and you just know you're going to pull stuff out and guys are having more fun. It's almost the fun factor now of winning. Um, you, you dial in even more, you work on your techniques and your fundamentals even more because you're having such a great time out there. You know, football is not a drag to come into work. You're getting headlines, you're beating everybody, uh, your fan base, you know, the, 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 the masses are, are at your feet, so to speak. And so that makes it even more fun. And, uh, you know, when guys are having a, a really good time and they're dialed in, you know, then football is not work anymore. So you, you're spending time doing something you love to do. And it's very rewarding. You invest even more in it. So you're saying that it's even easier to get buy-in from oh, yeah. from individuals who are already high-caliber athletes, people who are high achievers, used to doing the things that they anticipate and they want their body to do. You're saying the buy-in factor is even higher when when yeah, you start sure. winning and you get on a roll. One of the, the hardest things about football, when you're losing or experiencing some sort of adversity, it's it's determining who's accountable. It's like, oh, it's the system. It's not you. Kind of, you don't, you're not, a lot of guys are in denial. They're not looking inward. They're like, oh, well, the coach is not calling the right plays and not putting me in the, in a position to succeed. Uh, we're limited here. My offense isn't very good. Our defense is great, whatever. You're passing the buck. You're not looking inward, whatever. You get on a team that is winning like this and, and people are contributing and everyone's having fun and you just want to be, you want to be part of, of a cog in this machine and part of the success of this football team. And, and like I say, practice out there, it's different when uh, everything's working and you're being successful, right? You, you have complete buy-in because of look who you are. You're the best team in the CFL right now. How can you not, um, how can you be challenging or questioning anything you're doing right now? Because you're performing so well, you're winning these games. And that belief just starts to permeate and, and it becomes... Uh, uh, even more rock solid as the season goes on. 12 games in a row, is that the most uh, the Blue Bombers won on a team that you were on? Was it 12 straight or was yeah, it 14 we, straight? We won 12 straight. Yeah. Back in 2001. Yeah, we were two and two, and then we ripped off 12 in a row. So you, you know what it's like to be in a dressing room like that and to get that oh, feeling and to get on it's a the roll. Best. It's the best time, right? Uh, you know, you uh, you just find ways to win too. And, uh, you know, guys are excited to go to work. And the longer a streak like this goes on, the more special and unique it is. And that's why, you know, having a, a veteran roster and guys that have been around, they they understand, you know, how limited these opportunities are and they try to make the most of it. So, yeah, there's nothing more fun than being on a football team where, you know, all phases are contributing and you just, you're becoming a juggernaut. And, and, you know, teams have to play their best football and, and they, you know, are trying to match or trying to knock you off kind of thing. And it's just, uh, it's a great environment to be in for sure. Well, because that's the environment within the team in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Is to hold on to your position. The king of the mountain uh, ideal is something that uh, permeates, uh, that, that that's right from day one of, of training camp, let alone within the context of the entire league. That's the way you look at it when you're trying to hold on and win a position on a team is, oh yeah, rookie, try and knock me out of this position because it's not happening. So that's the mindset to begin with. Sure. So, have you studied the uh, have you studied the schedule? Where does this uh, winning streak end? <laughs> well, I think at the halfway point of the season, um, which is your your big marker. I I always I look at it 
uh, football team at the third, uh, one third of the way through the season. So coming up on six games. And then I look at them at the halfway point and then two thirds of the way through and then how they're finishing, right? And uh, so I think at halfway, you know, I think at best they'll probably be eight and one and at worst, you know, seven and two kind of thing. And uh, they certainly have an opportunity. They should be 5-0 and against Ottawa. Uh, just the Dominic Davis factor, having a, a quarterback at the helm that doesn't have anywhere near the experience, the acumen, um, the accolades of who he's going up against. And then, obviously, Winnipeg being such a complete and balanced football team, uh, they don't even have all their best players on defense playing right now, like Adam Big Hill's out. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. So they can certainly... They should, should certainly be 5-0. and They have to go to Hamilton. That can be a tough game. Hamilton's a very uh, tough place to win in, especially if they're on firing. So that, that's a, a 50-50 proposition maybe. Um, at Toronto, they should definitely win that game. Uh, Stamps at home. Um, you know, that, that could be a tougher game as well, but it's a home game, so they could win that. And then Lions at home, you're going to win that for sure. So... Uh, well, you have to think with the way the Lions are playing, uh, you don't even know if Rally's going to be viable by by that point of the season, the way that offensive line is not protecting him. So maybe they lose one of these games, you know, two at the tops uh, going uh, going in halfway point, nine game mark of an 18 game season. So uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. You know, this is this team could easily be eight and one and, and even nine and oh, if they keep playing at a, a, an impressive rate that they're at right now. Five and oh, and I think you could still argue the Blue Bombers have lots of room for improvement in a lot of different areas on the field. Yeah, you know, the cool thing about this football team is, and the full entertainment value that was the game against Toronto was you just found you're like wow that was a different way to win look at the returns like when's the last team the last time a, a winnipeg blue bomber team fed off of the success of their kickoff return and their punt returns to set them up for 14 nothing you know early in the first quarter that was crazy and uh so now you're seeing all these different ways uh, they can win dominant play on on offense a dominant play on special teams dominant play on defense and the takeaways uh, they got uh, a number of players on this roster now that, like, you can't just take away. We used to talk in, in years past, take away Andrew Harris and force him to beat you with the receiving. You sure you want to do that now? You know, you sure you want to force the the ball into you know Lucky Whitehead's hand, Chris Matthews' hands, and and Darvin Adams and Nick Dembski? You sure you want to have those guys you know open and and. And or are you going to focus in on those guys and leave leave stuff open for Andrew Harris uh, underneath? So it's uh, this offense could be scary, scary good. And this is such a balanced team. That's what's so promising about this roster right now. As good as they are on offense, you know they have potential to be there on defense. The, the way the pass rush is coming along, the way they're stopping the run, uh, the way they're still creating and forcing turnovers, taking the ball away. And now special teams is stepping up as well. Their cover teams have always been aces. And now they're getting returns like this. So it's just, what's the weakness of the football team? Justin Medlock? <laughs> so, you know, he's <laughs> missed a couple field goals. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, even even the game where he has uh, uncharacteristic uh, uh, day where he missed a couple field goals, he makes a play of the game sure. by, by tapping that ball out of bounds. So... It's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's becoming the hardest thing about breaking down this football team is finding out what is their weakness? What aren't they good at? I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know, is it is it maybe the secondary? They're a little soft at times or is it the offensive line? They're not as good as they used to. I don't know. You'd really have to sit down and, and scratch your head if you want to come up with 
uh, a story of shortcomings for this football team because they are playing very, very good football right now. Now, before I ask you about the legend that is becoming Andrew Harris and, and what he's managing to do in his career, I've just written down one, two, three, four, five names uh, from the Blue Bomber roster. This wasn't on the agenda, but I just want to get your immediate reaction. Just a couple sentences. If you want to pontificate longer on these guys, feel free. It's your program, Doug. But I've got five guys here and I want to get your immediate reaction on what they're bringing to the team right now. Lucky Whitehead, let's start there. I think Bob said it best when he said he's just electric, right? He's, uh, you just never know. He's a guy that you have to watch. You know, they're focusing on getting him X amount of touches every game. And it just seems like a certainty that he's going to break it in one of those. You don't know when, you don't know how, you don't know what player and what manner, but you know for the most part, you're going to get a highlight from him every single game. So you just wait with bated breath. Do you uh, compare? Can you compare him to anybody? Milt Stegall called uh, Brandon Banks the most exciting and the most uh, dominant player in the CFL uh, on Saturday during the TSN broadcast. Would you agree with that assessment? And, well, Speedy uh, Banks has has done it for a number of years, right? And he's consistent, and so that's it. I mean, this is this is Whitehead's first year in the CFL, and, and do you see similarities? Uh, I think Whitehead's more explosive. You know, I, I don't know who has a, a better top end. Uh, I certainly uh, think he's he's a bigger, uh, more physical player as well. And uh, I mean, they can both do a ton of stuff. They're both dangerous and a threat to score wherever they get the ball on the football field. So uh, that's uh, you know where the similarities are. But it's just it's fun to watch this evolution of Whitehead into the Canadian Football League game. Nick Dembski. <laughs> He's like the most underrated player on this offense, but he's a consistent home run threat now. I think he's a, a benefactor of other guys getting a lot of attention on offense, and he's so versatile. He can do it all, including you know run under stuff. He's, he's on the same page as Nichols. They understand when they're seeing coverages where he should go and how he should change his route and such, and he is, he's been outstanding, you know, as a Canadian uh, offensive weapon. Uh, he's just so versatile. He's getting up to, you know, he's getting to Andrew Harris level ability in terms of the total package, what he can bring to the game and how high of a level he can play at. You can stick him in anywhere and uh, he can beat guys and he can stretch the field vertically and he can make huge plays. So I think he's... Uh, almost the unsung hero of there's so many guys that are doing so many great things right now. You almost wonder if he's not getting his due yet. This one might be a little bit more difficult in the context of, of what you do game in game out, but Jeff Gray. Hmm. Well, you know, we haven't had an ISO cam much on the offensive line. Um, You know, I've seen him do well. I've seen him, you know, have to fight through scenarios and and have some tough matchups, especially with uh, Lang in the interior of the Toronto Argonauts uh, last week. Those guys, you know, had some moments making things real difficult for the interior of the offensive line for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I think as a a first-year starter uh, with Winnipeg, uh, you know, you just got to keep grinding and getting after it. And, and like I say, we've seen flashes and and glimpses of, of good, solid offensive interior aggressive play by him. And, and other times, you know, he's he's been a little off balance and he's got caught and, and he just needs refinement, I think, in his game. And uh, if he continues to work at it and get after it, you know, I, I don't see any problems there with him fitting in. But like I say, it's uh, you really need to... F- closely watch those positions to to get the best 
uh, analysis on it. And uh, like you say, I mean, offense is you're for the most part, you're watching, you know, Andrew run and you're watching Nichols get time and all these things are, are part and parcel because of the play of the offensive line. But to just watch them and, and score them how they're doing individually on a game by game basis, that requires much more scrutiny. But uh, collectively as a whole, obviously, uh, you know, they're uh, they're fundamental to everything that's happening right now. Well, and, and I guess based on the fact that we can't say really anything too negative about the offense means the offensive line must be doing its job most of the time. Is that a fair assessment in an overall sense, Doug? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Jackson, Jeff Coat. Uh, yeah, that was one of the best games from a defensive lineman I've seen in, in Winnipeg, a Blue Bomber uniform against Toronto. He was, he was everything. You know, his pass rush, his run stopping, his disruptive uh, habits, knocking down passes, running guys down, uh, flowing to the football. He just did everything well. You want to talk about an active display by a defensive lineman um, that was just, that had the whole gamut there. He was doing everything. It was such a complete game by him. Sometimes you get guys that get good rushes in, maybe they get walled, uh, maybe they're not bringing it every snap, maybe they don't run to the football. He did, you know, on every measurable of what you look at a defensive lineman, uh, you know, what his motor level was, his intensity, his ability to to pressure that pocket, to, to move guy off a spot, um, to get his hands up, timing in the passing lane, to be accountable and responsible for his area against the run. He did everything well. It was just a crazy, I mean, we were up there uh, speculating that, you know, Regardless of whatever his stats were at the end of that day, he should be definitely considered defensive player of the week or a month uh, kind of potential just because of the performance he put on. That was it was surreal. Uh, maturity is the word that jumps out for me uh, for Jeff Coat and the next name I'm going to ask you about, and that's Brandon Alexander. Okay. Um. Yeah. He's uh, he's been leading, I think, in in the secondary, and. Uh, you know, the secondary, I don't know, they, they've made some big plays. They've got some big turnovers um, when pressed. Uh, obviously, they've been outstanding um, in their own red zone. Uh, the fact that they had that ability to uh, to take that record and, and extend it uh, going up against Toronto. So, uh, you know, I think he's certainly uh, matured and evolved into a, a leader back there in terms of holding guys accountable and uh, I think he's been spot on. His timing's been outstanding. His breaks to the football uh, have been great. His run fill has been has been very good, and he's taken on all challenges. He's just such a scrappy um, defensive back, uh, a player in the secondary you can really count on for for big matchups and to uh, uh, not put you in dangerous positions and not take um, chances that you know aren't aren't really weighed and, and measured. So he's he's a really smart, football smart player back there, and he's leading the way for the rest of the group. I couldn't help but look at Kevin Fogg in uh, those really sharp Argonauts jerseys, by the way. I like the all-white. I don't know how you feel about them, but I could only imagine Kevin Fogg standing on that sideline watching the Blue Bomber defense work going, what was I thinking leaving <laughs> that group? Andrew Harris. Uh, broke the 8,000-yard mark for his career, moved into 12th place all-time for rushers in the Canadian Football League history, uh, nipping at the heels of one Charles Roberts. Do you think he can catch him? Yeah, so he's about, what, 2,000 yards behind. Charlie's sitting, what, just under 10,000 yards, I think, for a, a career lifetime. And, 
you know, Andrew Harris, everything goes the way it should. He's over a thousand this year, which means another thousand yard season for him. It's very, very possible. The the level he's playing at right now, it'd be hard to say he couldn't do this, finish this year very strong and then do it one more time. Um, so I think it's certainly within reach and, uh, you know, as bigger picture, just looking at, at the body of, of work he's had over his career, He's just the most complete back you're ever going to run into in terms of, I don't think anyone was able to do it better in more different ways than Andrew Harris in terms of uh, ability to to run between the tackles, to bounce it outside, uh, to block, to pass protect, uh, to catch coming out of the backfield, uh, to, to spread the field vertically. Like he's a matchup nightmare. He just does everything well. Uh, you have your... Uh, you have all the the traits of what can make a great tailback and a lot of guys are specialized. They do one or the other and he just does everything well that is defined by the running back position. And uh, it'll be fun to see if he can catch Charlie Roberts and uh, granted when uh, uh, tailback careers come to an end, there's not a lot of time usually, you know, that uh, it, uh, it can close with, but you just hope he, uh, you know, in the way the way he's playing right now gives you every uh, indication and every uh, idea that he should be able to maintain the kind of pace he's on um, for at least two more seasons. Charles Roberts, by the way, if you want the exact number, 9,470 yards is uh, the number that Andrew Harris is after. All right, uh, Doug, are we uh, plain and simply assuming a 5-0 and Winnipeg Blue Bombers when we uh, next convene? It feels a little uncomfortable assuming. to be doing this week after week, but I can't help but feel as though that's exactly where we will be come about 11 o'clock Friday night. Yeah. I mean, you never assume things like that, but all things being considered, if they play good football and stranger things do not happen on the football field. I mean, they just played Ottawa. You see how they measure up and they are a better football team than the Ottawa Red Blacks. So um, it's easy for us to assume they're, they're the ones that have to go out and, and do the work and, um, you know, have to fight against complacency and, and taking uh, a win and an opponent for granted. But you just have every indication that this football team is as good as we think they are, and they'll be able to handle their business at home next week for sure, or right. this week on Friday. All right, Doug, we'll uh, reconvene and uh, we'll check the tape, so to speak, see how we do, and uh, look forward to big game IG Field on Friday night. Let's see a packed park for the Bombers and Red Blacks. That's all the time we have. We'll let you run. Thanks for downloading, sharing, subscribing, and, of course, rating. The Blue Bomber Podcast. I'm Greg Mackling for Doug Brown. See you next time. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com.